It's from a New York show. And welcome back to the Four Point Plan. This is episode 24. It is December 13th, 2020. And I am your host, JR, a drug counselor from Los Angeles, California. Welcome, everybody. It's exciting to be here. Like every other day in the pandemic, we are here, we are enduring, we are staying safe at home and trying to avoid the, the coronavirus that's out there to get us. And uh, so far, so good. So here we are today. Uh, excited to get into the four-point plan to tell you all about a program that can save your life. It's very exciting, but uh, first I want to introduce my co-hosts, my friends, the guys that make this thing happen along with me. Uh, first, I want to introduce Sean. Say hi, Sean. Hi, good morning, everybody. Woo! There's Woo! Sean and, and, and uh, radio voice. It's good to see Sean here, and it's good to see you, Mr. Guy. Hello, Guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Four Point Plan. The four-point plan. What is a four-point plan? Well, let me tell you real quick. The four-point plan is attend 90 meetings in 90 days. Get a sponsor and use that sponsor. Get a home group and go to that home group every week. Do not miss it and get a service commitment. Find a way to give back to a program that's there to save your life. You do these four things and the chances are that you will get sober and stay sober and find a life beyond your wildest dreams. That's what happened for me. That's what happened for my friends. And, uh, it could happen for you too. And we want it to happen for you because the truth is, is there's a disease out there called addiction, disease out there called alcoholism, and those diseases are out there to kill you. And we do not want you to die. No addict ever needs to die from the horrors of addiction. I believe that 100%. And I believe the four point plan can increase your odds of survival. If you want to survive this thing, if you want to stay alive, if you do not want to go on breaking the hearts of the people that love you the most, and you do not want to make them go out and buy a black suit to wear to your funeral, then maybe you could get into recovery. Maybe you could do the four-point plan and stay alive, man. That's the idea. That's what we're going for. So it worked for me. It worked for my friends. I'll tell you what, man, when I had to come to recovery and, and I had to get clean and stay sober for the first time, it was hard because I had spent a lifetime in pain and I didn't know or how or, or believe that there was a way uh, to change the way that I felt. And the truth is, is I use drugs and I use alcohol to change the way I felt, to, to, to numb my feelings. I had some feelings of, of being a failure and being a loser. And honestly, I felt completely unlovable. And those feelings were the reasons uh, that I used drugs and why it was so incredibly fucking difficult to stop using drugs. I felt like no one could ever love me. And if, the, if I was going to live a life in a world where no one would ever love me, I just wanted to get fucked up all the time and not feel that way. Luckily, though, I found the four-point plan. I found program of recovery that changed the way I felt, man. It, it let me know that I was not unlovable, that people could love me, and that the world wasn't this horrible, ugly place that I pretended it was as an excuse to keep getting fucked up all the time. So I got sober, man. I saved my life, and I changed the way I felt. One day at a time, man, I realized that people could love me. I realized that the world wasn't an ugly, horrible place, and things got better. 
And the reason that that happened for me was because I did the four point plan. It was because I went to meetings every day and heard people tell me about how they found a better life. It's because I called my sponsor every day and every day my sponsor told me he loved me. I now have a post-it note in my desk that says Bob loves JR because I need to know all the time that my sponsor loves me because that's just the beginning, the tip of the iceberg to let me know that people love me. You know, so the four point plan can change the way you feel. The way that drugs have changed the way you the way you felt. But when you use drugs to change your feelings, man, things only change temporarily and then they always inevitably get worse and worse. So doing the four point plan will change the way you feel, but it's not temporary, man. It's it's permanent, it's real. You change fundamentally change the way you feel at the foundation of your soul. I wake up every morning now knowing that people love me, and that is a far different place than I was in when I kept using drugs and drinking every day. So uh, I know that people who know me well believe that JR doesn't like talking about feelings. All right. I get that. But the truth is, is uh, I'm okay with talking about feelings because, um, because I have a lot of them, man. And I don't hide from them anymore. And I, they say the good thing about recovery is you get your feelings back. But the bad thing about recovery is that you get your feelings back. So here we are, man. We got our feelings back, but now we've got these tools in the four-point plan that can help us live and deal with our feelings. So um, talking about the feelings that brought us into uh, addiction and ultimately led us uh, out of addiction into recovery, uh, I want to get you guys' input and hear what you guys have to say, what your experience was uh, around feelings and the reasons that you got loaded. Um, Sean, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm actually kind of surprised that you want to talk about feelings because usually you don't ever want to talk about feelings. I remember being in, in groups with you and <laughs> some of the topics were, fuck your feelings, I don't care, I don't want to know about your feelings. But, you know, when I went to, when I went to treatment, I used that as, a, as like emotional, because I was like emotionally hungover when, when I got sober and I had a lot of a lot of feelings that I didn't know how to deal with. You know, I ruined my marriage, and you know, my mother died, my grandmother died, and like all those things, all those feelings of of being lost and and alone. Like I didn't know how to deal with it, so I did what I did best, and I got loaded, and it worked for many years. But like Jr. said, it always comes back, and it always like those feelings will always come back when when you're sober. And you know, I just kept suppressing them and kept suppressing them, and. I never dealt with them until, you know, I started doing the four point plan and working with my sponsor and I learned how to deal with those feelings. I learned how to, to, to address them and to identify them and, and not live in fear and not having to run away. And I mean, you know, the, the four point plan, you know, it, it's pretty, it's pretty simple just to start doing those four things. But then once, once you start doing those four things, everything else, there's still things inside of it that, it all comes together like the home group and you learn from experiences with other people. So you're never alone anymore. You know, everybody has, there's always somebody that has the same situation or the same, a same uh, event that happened in their life that they dealt with sober. So they actually show you how to do it. And, you know, feelings are, feelings are scary, especially new, newly sober, you know, like relationships or, just every feeling is it's it's scary if you don't know how to deal with it and you know like it was, i'm glad when i went to treatment because 
I was isolated. You know what I mean? I was, I was in a controlled environment and I, and I do really well in controlled environments. You know, I couldn't really run from anything and I'm just pretty thankful. I got my sponsor pretty quick after I was in treatment and, you know, I got, I got busy and it was, it's just, it's just mind changing. And I mean, my life is changing so much every day and it's, I'm, I'm blessed for it, you know, and I'm happy to be here to share it with you because it can work for you too. And it's like, so it's so meaningful and just get a sponsor, ask somebody and just, you don't have to do it alone and learn how to address your feelings. You know, NNA, we like to say the NA stands for not again, never alone. And we never have to be alone again, man, once we get involved in the program. And, and thanks for sharing that experience, Sean, because I think a lot of people out there are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to know those feelings. They're going to know that when I went through pain, I didn't know how to deal with pain. And anybody that listens to this that's been through treatment knows that, you know, maybe it's a little safer, man, to, to have a treatment center there early in recovery um, because the feelings do come and they come hard and they come fast and they're difficult to deal with. I know that uh, they can be extreme highs and extreme lows for everybody. So uh, fortunately, I knew Guy when he was early in recovery and <clears throat> he's always kept it a secret. He doesn't tell anybody about this, but Guy went through some serious uh, pain when he was early in recovery and I got the opportunity to, to be there and witness it with him, man. So I know that this is a, uh, he, he might tell people, uh, you know, Jr. is kind of a, a, a hard ass or, or whatever, but uh, I have some feelings and I have some empathy and I got a lot of love for guy. Cause uh, you know, I've seen him bear his soul and, and talk about his feelings before. So guy talk about, you know, what brought you in, uh, what kept you out there how you ultimately got got sober and was able to deal with your feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. Yeah, we all we all had them. Um, we all went through some some shit in life, and I'm not saying that's the only reason why I drank and drugged, but it was part of it. You know, definitely towards the end. Um, Part of it was just because it felt good. It was fun. It was the escape. It was all of that shit that that we do this for. And then um, eventually uh, through doing it, we go through some some heartache or we go through heartache as a kid. We go through some wild feelings and drugs and alcohol are a great way to not really deal with it too much. But like both of you guys said, um, the feelings are still there in our active addiction. And then we get clean and sober and they're still there. Sometimes when we, um, even before I got sober, I, I kind of knew some of the things that were uh, giving me pain and heartache and causing me to drink and use, right? You know, whether it was, um, you know, the, the crazy relationship with my parents had, the all kinds of the, the death of, a, of my, my sister when she passed away from this thing and all kinds of stuff that I knew, like, was some of the reasons why I did it. And then I got clean and sober, right? 
and I was able to maybe process some of these things, come to really come to some terms about some of these things. So it just re reaffirmed that I, that this is some of the, the, the things that are, that I'm not dealing with and it's causing me to go to want to stay loaded all the time because it, it's a great way not to deal with them for a short time. But, you know, one of the things that I think that, that I found the beauty in <clears throat> doing like a four point plan, let's say, is that it, <clears throat> excuse me, it reminds us how to deal with that because I can learn all I want about, about those feelings and why I have them, why they bother me. But um, like you were saying, JR, you say you wake up, you, you said, I wake up and I, and I know that people love me. I wake up and I love, I love myself. I love life. And, and that does, that can't happen to us in re, in recovery. It can, but the problem is with, with someone like me. And I think like a lot of us is that we forget that we can forget that kind of stuff. My default mode is to, to think about me a lot, feel sorry for me a lot, and, <clears throat> and then use drugs or alcohol because I'm so self-obsessed with me. That's what I do. That is like, that's like the default mode that I've been doing for a lot, a lot of years of, of my lifetime. So four-point plan comes in right here. And this one is about the connection. I have people in my life that I can talk to if I'm having a shitty day, if I'm thinking about uh, my mom who just, who passed away or, um, or I go through, uh, who knows, a breakup or you go through all kinds of shit, life things. Today, the four point plan gives you that connection where I'm not just processing these feelings alone, or I'm not just learning about them one time. Oh, I okay, yeah, I got problems with my dad leaving me when I was when I was seven years old. Oh, yeah, okay. So I learned that I learned that um, when I first got sober, I got problems with that. Is that enough to to keep that away for the rest of my life? No, I have to stay connected with people. I have to because. Those things come back. Feelings do come back when we're when, when we're in our addiction and when we are in sobriety as well. You know, early in my sobriety, my feelings overwhelmed me, man. I didn't understand my disease yet. And the truth is I have a disease called drug addiction and it lives inside of my brain. And you know what that wants, man? That disease that lives in my brain, it wants drugs. It yeah. wants drugs all the time. And it tries to overwhelm me. It tries to overwhelm my thoughts and my feelings to get me mm -hmm. high. And when it attacks my feelings, that's that's where it, it gets its foothold, man. And that's where it does its most damage. It's where it has its leverage. Cause it's trying to get me to pick up. It's trying to get me to get high. So when I'm new, man, 
every feeling made me feel like a reason to want to get high. And I didn't recognize it for what it was. I thought I was really sad when I watched TV commercials and I would start crying. And I'm like, oh, my God, I got my feelings back. I don't like them. I need to do some heroin and not feel this anymore. And I know that sounds stupid, but it's actually true, man. I was kicking i was like in my first days of sobriety and i was going to meetings every day and i was desperate to stop using and i saw the commercial for the movie moulin rouge and <laughs> 90 seconds i didn't watch the whole movie i watched the fucking 90 second commercial okay and it's about uh this guy who falls in love with a girl and the girl gets sick and it's just going to be tragic and heartbreaking and after 90 seconds of this story on a commercial i was bawling my eyes out and, oh my god he loves her so much and she's not gonna make it oh my god i want to do heroin because i suck at feelings bro i suck at them I often teach people who are new in recovery, ignore your feelings, fuck your feelings. Your feelings don't matter because here's what it's about. It's about what goes on on your feet, man. It only matters what you do. The four point plan is an action plan. We do not say, you know, get a therapist and change your feelings and suppress your memory. Like this isn't a feelings plan, man. It's action plan. It says go to a meeting every day. Get a sponsor, man. Get commitment, man. Go and make some fucking coffee. Go and set up some fucking chairs. It's an action plan. It ain't a feelings plan. So, yes, our feelings can be our best friends and our worst enemies, and they could be the reason that we want to go get high. But the reason that we don't get high is because of four-point plan, man, because we are in action. We are footwork people. We are not results people. We are footwork people. We do the action. We get out there, man. And we show up early for the meeting so we can do our commitment. We stay late so we can hang out with our people. But what we don't do is sit around and mope and cry and, and overwhelm ourselves with feelings all the time. Because we know, man, I know. I know that for me, my feelings are my fucking enemy a lot of the time. My feelings are the reason I got high for so many years. How many years, you ask? Man, I started getting high when I was 15 and I stopped when I was 37, all right? And that's why it was so hard when I was new, man, because that's 22 years of suppressing my feelings of drugs and alcohol, 22 years of anesthesia on my feelings. I, I am not crippled. I do not have crippling pain in my life. I am not physically somehow challenged with pain. No, all of that was emotional pain. That was all my feelings. And I was doing the world's hardest fucking painkillers to try to numb the pain of the way I felt. How stupid does that sound? I got a friend that pointed out to me one day when we were talking about all the Oxycontin we did. So he used to swallow Oxycontin. I used to melt them down in a spoon and shoot them up. And he was like, Jerry, you're stupid. You know, if you swallow them, they work too. But uh, Oxycontin was a drug that was designed and given to people who were dying. And it was a drug given to people so that they could deal with the pain of dying. And we realized that we were hooked on that drug to deal with the pain of living and not physical pain. It was emotional pain. Somehow traumas in our lives, experiences when we were young, experiences every day were creating emotional pain that we thought we needed painkillers designed for dying people 
to deal with the pain of life. And that's, that's just fucking stupid. That's just fucking gratuitous. When I look back at it now, I'm mad at myself because that means every time I took an Oxycontin, you know, that could have went to someone who really fucking needed it, man. I didn't need it. You know what I needed, man? I'm going to tell you. I needed a four-point plan. I needed to stop getting fucked up and start getting sober. I needed to find a way to be a service to other people. I needed to get out of myself. When I heard about a famous celebrity, I'll say it was uh, Robin Williams. When I heard Robin Williams killed himself, I thought, oh, man, that's a that's tragic. That's too bad. You know, maybe he should have went out and fucking helped somebody. You know, and it's awful to speak ill of the dead. So I'm not trying to say that Robin Williams is a bad guy. I'm saying that anybody is so overwhelmed with personal emotional pain that they don't know what to do to alleviate that pain. Well, I'll tell you what I think you can do, man. You can go help somebody. Go help somebody. I am fortunate, man. I work in, a, in an industry where I regularly meet people who are in a lot more pain than me, who are brand new at trying to get sober. And trying to get sober and getting sober in the beginning is horrifically emotionally painful. And if I'm sitting here feeling sorry for myself because I didn't get a promotion or I didn't get a raise or whatever the fuck I'm, I'm mad at myself about or sad about, all I need to do, man, is go out and talk to a newcomer that's like, yo, I sold my baby or whatever the fuck they did. Like, yo, whatever horrible fucking pain that they are going through. I remember watching a girl, man, way back when I was still using uh, who was excited about having a baby, had the baby. I went and visited her in the hospital. I saw the baby. And later that day, I saw her and there was no baby. And I was like, where's your fucking baby? And she's like, the, the government came and took my baby because I was on heroin. That is horrifically painful. And I would be very surprised if that girl's still alive because I know that she was doing heroin that day to deal with that emotional pain. Emotional pain is real, man. And it sucks balls. But if you can find a way to help somebody else that is in more emotional pain than you are, it will alleviate your emotional pain. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if that is intuitive or counterintuitive or what, but I honestly believe that if you're hurting, if your emotions are hurting, you can feel better by helping someone else. In Iran, with they in their NA convention, they don't say keep coming back. They sit there and they chant. A whole convention full of people in Iran, Narcotics Anonymous, they, they sit there and they chant, go help somebody, go help somebody, go help somebody. And I believe that, man. That's the answer. That's the cure. That's how you can get better. That's part of the four-point plan. Get Being a service, man. Get a commitment means go help somebody. Go fucking help somebody and get out of your head for a change, you fucking drug addicts. <laughs> I understand what it feels like. I get it. I know why it hurts and why you can't stop using, man. You can stop using, you can help somebody, you can find a better life. Well put. Yeah. There's magic in, in helping other people. It is it is about action. We do have we do have those feelings and, and we do have to process them. You know, for anybody who's out there who's saying Sometimes when we tell people that we need to get an action to deal with our feelings, they don't like to hear that. They're like, well, what about my feelings? They don't understand. <laughs> you know, it's hard, man. It is hard that when when we go through these things and, and we do have to confront them, of course. I don't think any of us are saying that we don't have to, to resolve and, and come to terms with these underlying feelings feelings that we have and are causing us to to 
to drink and use, you know, we do have to, we have to stay in action. That's where your sponsor, that's where your sponsor comes in. Your sponsor comes in and you know, you, you get all your feelings and all your fears and all your, your baggage and all the shit you've caused, you get it on paper and then you go over it. And that can be painful in itself to put, you know, like I remember when I did my four step, it took me, I did it pretty quick though. Cause I wanted to get, I did it in like four and a half hours in one day, but it's sitting there digging back into what JR. I wrote it down in, in one day, four and a half hours. It was 17 pages. I think he's agreeing with you. Oh. No, no, it took me a year. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah. You know, I was trying to, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you have a lot more pain than I do, and you deal with your feelings different than I do. This is the first time, second time I've ever heard you even talk about feelings. So this is this is growth for you, Jr. <laughs> but but putting it on paper and seeing it, you know, is, is it was painful in itself, and and you know the sponsor, you know your sponsor just helps you helps you go over it all, and then. Yeah, it'll still be there. I mean, it'll always be there, but it won't be as painful. I mean, it'll just be a memory then. It's funny you talked about your the Roulon Rouge. What was it? Moulin Rouge? Whatever. But so I remember one time I tried to get sober on my own and I was watching the, this documentary on Pink and Carrie Hart and I was crying like a little bitch for the whole time. Like, what is wrong with me? Watching, they all get back together. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I got, I got loaded after that because I didn't know how to deal with it back then. It was a long time ago, but. But yeah, but mine started with physical pain. You know, a lot of my addiction, you know, started with my back because I had to get back surgery, you know, so that's how I started taking the pain pills and, you know, I just continued to use and, you know, I graduated to harder drugs after that, but to hide all the other pain, you know, my mom was a, was a pretty painful, that was pretty painful for me because, you know, that was my number one, that's your mom, you know, my rock. And that was the first death I ever had in my life. Except for, except for a buddy of mine that died, but like a close relative was my mom and, you know, she died of cancer super quick and that, that was pretty painful. And I went to a very, very dark place for like 18 months after she died. And, you know, if I was, obviously if I was in the program, if I was doing the four point plan, it would have, the outcome would have been probably a little different, but, but these are the experiences that, that led me to where I am today. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed for the four point plan in the program and, you know, meeting people like you guys, and you know, I have a love for these guys, and and I'm not scared to, to show my feelings towards you, Jr. Right, I, sponsors do come <laughs> into play right there. That that is still part. It's part. A sponsorship is part of the four point plan, right? And that is still another form of taking action in order in order to process and then come to terms with, and then to sometimes we. <clears throat> We make amends as well. And all of these are, are action action steps. And I like what you said, JR, about um about helping being of service. And not that's part of the four point plan too, the commitment part, right? You know, you got you got your 90 and 90, your sponsor, commitment, and a home group. The commitment being of service. Go out and help somebody else, somebody else that's less fortunate than you are. There is, there's magic in that. It's, it's hard to feel sorry for ourselves when we are helping out somebody else who's in a little bit, maybe just as much need as us. But when we're doing something for somebody else, it makes us, it makes us, 
it makes it a little bit easier to not dwell on on our self-pity. Yeah, a good way, a good way to do that for me was go speaking on panels, like taking the, the meeting to the people who couldn't go out. You know, I, I think my first one, I shared about this before, but my first one I was six months, I think I was six months sober and I went to a, a detox and, you know, we brought, we brought the meeting to the people in detox who couldn't go to a meeting. And, you know, I, I at first I didn't want to do it because it was, you know, it's uncomfortable and, you know, I had to wear a suit and it was just, it was super uncomfortable, you know, and I, I, it was all about me and I had this self-centered fear that I didn't really know I had at that time. You know, after, you know, working the steps, I realized a lot of other stuff, but yeah, I mean, you learn a lot who you are and, you know, you're, you're there for them. You know, it's like, why is it all about me? Why do I, I don't want to do it because I'm uncomfortable because I'm selfish. It wasn't about me. It was about those people who maybe they'll hear something. Maybe nobody heard anything, but just being there was, it was a great experience and I continue to do it. You self-centered bastard. <laughs> I'm the most, I'm the most self selfish, self-centered, reckless alcohol. I swear. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you're not man. the you're not the most humble. I'm I'm the most humble. I got I'm the I'm the humblest. Oh. <laughs> As he says, I am. <laughs> yeah. wow, so Nobody's sad. humbler than me. I am wow. the humblest guy ever. You got humbler of the of the year award. <laughs> He's the, the humbler. <laughs> humbler. I'm humbler. It's good that Sean brought up the uh, the step four and step five. Um, I'm going to tell a story about my step four and step five. I may have talked about it before a little bit. Uh, I don't talk a lot about the steps. Like I said, the, uh, the four point plan is an action thing, but the second part of it is to get a sponsor. If you get a sponsor, the idea is to work steps, work the 12 steps with your sponsor. And so I did uh, step five, step four and step five, when I had a year clean and sober and step five was uh emotionally maybe the most painful experience I've ever had. And step five says we admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. You know, if all I had to do on step five was talk about what I had done wrong in the world, I think I would have been okay. But the way that we did it, uh, me and my sponsor, uh, we did a resentments list and we went and we talked about everything in my history uh, that I held resentments for. And when I went back over my history, I had experienced a lot of trauma in my childhood, like a fuck ton of trauma in my childhood that I had never spoken about before. And I wasn't doing it in a therapist's office. I was doing it with my sponsor at his house. And I told him things that I had never told anybody before. And I realized that it wasn't just I had never told anybody before. I had never spoken those things aloud before and allowed myself to hear them. And it was awful. My feelings were in an uproar and I didn't know how I was gonna get through it sober because it was so incredibly painful. And so uh, as I left my sponsor's house that night, I was just bawling and I was crying and I was thinking everybody else telling their experience about step five, about how they did step five and all of a sudden, all this weight was lifted off their shoulders because they were able to bear their soul. Now, that was not my experience. I had shared this stuff and I felt 10 times heavier when I was done. I was crying and uncontrollably and nonstop. And I thought, 
man, if, if this is what recovery is, fuck this, man. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get sober so I could be in even more pain than I was before I got here. I wanted to feel better, not worse. And so I reached out to my friends in the program. And this is uh, what I teach people all the time. Your thinking is not necessarily the best thinking. Your brain is not necessarily your friend, man. Maybe you need to get some uh, advice some more from some more experienced members when you're going through shit. So I called up some friends, man, and, and they were there for me. The friends in the program showed up for me, man, and, and listened to me and, and, and supported me. And the first one was uh, my friend, Mike. Uh, I knew that Mike uh, had helped me before in recovery. He had a kid the same age as my kid. He had gone through a lot, but he had about four years clean and I had one year clean. So I call up Mike and I'm like, hey, Mike. He's like, hey, what's going on? I said, oh, I just did step five. And he answered, are you okay? And that was the first time I had realized that other people maybe didn't all have this great, beautiful come to Jesus moment when they did their step five. Like he understood, I heard it in his voice. He understood that it may have been painful for me. And I was like, no, Mike, I'm not okay, man. I'm fucked up. I can't believe all the shit that came out. I can't believe the things I said, the things I felt and the things that happened to me when I was young. And I can't fucking deal with these feelings. And he stayed on the phone with me for a long time, which I always appreciate with Mike because Mike has a, has a family to attend to, but he takes time out of his life, man. When I need him, he's always there for me. And, and that helped, man. And I went to meetings every day and I cried at the meetings about it. And, and I, one time I went over to my friend Shane's house and he sat there and he just sat with me and, and, and let me cry. And, and Shane had a lot of time. He had like 20 years sober. And I was like, so Shane, uh, you know, you've, you've had a lot of sponsees and you've done a lot of fifth steps and, so I'm assuming, you know, a lot of people have had these same experiences that I have and that, that, you know, it's normal. And he looked at me kind of crazy and said, no, man, no, it's not normal. This isn't something common that happens to everybody you meet. This is what you experienced was real and it was awful. And it was painful. And it should have never happened. And that helped me tremendously to know that someone understood that that my pain was real and that it was valid and that they could let me know that it was valid. And, and it was around that time that I realized that the pain didn't have to overwhelm me. Like it didn't have to take me out. Cause at that point, man, it's about, I'm about a week into this thing where I'm crying all day, every day and thinking, man, I'm going to end up using heroin over this because this is not okay. I did not get sober uh, to experience these feelings and, what I started to feel, man, was, was other people loving me. You know, Shane loved me enough to sit there with me. Mike loved me enough to stay on the phone with me. My sponsor loved me enough to, to do my step work with me, man. And, and love is amazing. It is, it is um, the best drug. It's better than heroin, man. When I realized people love me, that's when I started thinking, well, maybe I don't have to get loaded, man. Maybe, maybe all this shit is going to be okay. And then a couple years later, I was three years sober and a bunch of tragedies happened all at once where the dog fell in the pool and died. And my, my, my uncle died and my stepfather died. And, uh, uh, I lost a couple of jobs and I was just, it seemed like 
everything was piling up on me. A patient died, a sponsee died of an overdose and I saw his dead body and all these feelings, man, I felt like they were too much. They say God never gives you more than you can handle. And I was convinced in that moment that God was giving me more than I can handle. Now, here's the good news. I'm telling you about these awful feelings I experienced. The good news is I fucking dove into the program head first, man. I went right. to meetings all day, every day, and people loved me and helped me and told me that they understood. Yeah, that is, that's a great that's a great way of explaining what can happen to us even at that point in your sobriety, JR. Oh, can you guys hear me? Yeah. All right. But this is where the four-point plan comes into play. And we got to interject the four-point plan in right now. You would not have had those people in your life if you were not, if you probably didn't do that 90 and 90. You didn't get that home group. You didn't get that commitment where you're starting to meet that, get that connection with these people in that meeting. You got to the point with your sponsor, that's another part of the four-point plan, to where you were going to talk to him about some of these things from your past. <clears throat> it was painful, and it is. It is painful. It's not always just that, that release that some people get, you know, and that's, that's cool if they do. But you had that connection already built up with these other people, and there they were. And then what did you do? Even, even after, you know, that felt good for you. And then you mentioned it again. What did you do? You dove into the into the program, into the meetings, even harder. You went to a meeting every day again. You know, that's what we do. We make we keep that connection. We make that connection with other other people that are just like us, mother, motherfuckers that get us. And we can talk to. And it's there's power in that. Doing it with other people, making that connection. That's, that's right. There's no graduation, man. You, you don't hit a certain point and now it's time to stop going to meetings and stop calling your sponsor. Every fucking relapse I know has someone telling a story about, well, I stopped going to meetings and I stopped calling my sponsor. Hey, dumbass, didn't you hear what that guy did when he stopped going to meetings and he stopped calling his sponsor? Everybody that stops going to meetings and stops calling their sponsor fucking relapses. So one thing, if you learn nothing else, you need to learn, keep going to fucking meetings and keep calling your fucking sponsor. Sean reminds me every day, hey, JR, you call your sponsor? You can never forget, man. I got 12 years sober and it is not yet time for me to stop going to meetings and stop calling my sponsor. If anything, man, I got to keep going to meetings more and call my sponsor more because I'm an arrogant motherfucker who might, I might think one day, oh, I got this. Oh, I'm a, I'm a guru. I'm an expert. I created the four point plan. I know everything about recovery. That's a three point <laughs> plan right there. That's I, I got this. That's I got a three this. Point. The three-point play. I got this. I don't need four no more. I got three points. Yeah, it's not three-point plan. It's a four-point plan. See, I, I like I like the fact that, that like JR's experience was a lot more different than mine. I'm and guys was too, but like we're so different, but we're such alike. And there's like like his his four step and fifth step was very painful for him. Mine wasn't as bad because I didn't really have a lot of, of you know, trauma in my past or childhood, you know, but my step seven, which was, you know, the defects, that one outweighed my, my fourth, my fourth step. And that one was way more, way more powerful in my recovery than the other one. But it, I, I like the fact that 
we're both totally, it was like totally different for us, but we're like the same. So like for anybody, like whoever your past experiences are, whatever you come from, as long as you're, if you're an alcoholic or an addict, this four point plan will work for you for it'll work for like anybody who has an addiction problem or an alcohol problem. It works. And it's, 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 I'm, I'm glad you touched on that because you know, your, your experience was a lot more painful than mine. Mine was more of like the, Oh, I feel relieved because mine wasn't as my childhood wasn't as, I don't know. I don't, I don't know your whole childhood, but you know, you obviously you have some trauma in your past. And I really have much trauma. Mine was just more of defects. Mine was just myself doing on myself. A lot of yours was done on you. Mine was done on myself, but it's the four point plan is to work for both of us. That's what I'm trying to say. It doesn't matter who you are or what your experiences are. It will work. Yeah, but I'll tell you what, man, my step seven was super easy because I, I didn't have hardly anything on it. Just you know, I, I was incredibly humble. Like I, I was I was too humble. Right. So one of my defects of character was having too much humility and overwhelming amount. I was like the humblest guy of all, like in the whole world. If there was a Nobel Peace Prize for just humble people <laughs> for humility, I would have probably gotten it two years yeah. in a row. Because here's, I'm, here's the humbler. <laughs> the humbler. Humbler of the year. <laughs> we we'll get you a big sign and a medal. Big, I can't big help medal. myself. Yeah. Where on your, on your chest? The humbler of the year. Maybe you change. The heavyweight champion of humility of the world. <laughs> yeah, you should you should definitely change your name to the humbler. <laughs> The damn humbler. You know, it's it's a weird thing, man, to get together with your homeboys on a Sunday morning and talk about feelings, man. Feelings are hard for addicts, man. And and I don't know if that's not the core of what causes this disease. If somehow people are built uh, with a system where they can reconcile their feelings and they can understand and deal with their feelings. And so they go through life without being susceptible to addiction but then maybe we uh, we suck at feelings and we become addicts easier or quicker. Um, I know people that are you know content and, and and don't experience a lot of negative negativity or negative feelings. Uh, they just drink because they drink, man. They just drink because because somehow the alcohol reprogrammed their brain and got them hooked on drinking. If they don't drink, they get sick. So I don't know that feelings causes addiction for everybody. I know my personal experience, feelings fed into my uh, reason for using and reason uh, that it was so hard for me to stop using, man. And staying sober was hard because my, my brain has this disease and it knows how to push my buttons. And it says, JR, if I make you afraid, you might use. And if I make you ashamed, you might use. And if I make you sad, you might use. So my brain will get sad over a fucking TV commercial, right? Or it'll get guilty over something that someone else did. Or it'll make me feel inferior because, uh, I don't know, because someone has more than me. And th those negative feelings, man, will make me want to use again. It's how my addiction works in my brain. And for people that, I mean, the neuroscience may not be there to support it, but we talk about this. A lot of people in the program talk about this. My disease is doing push-ups. My disease lives in my brain and talks to me in my own voice. And my disease wants me to drink and use. And so whenever 
something happens weird, a negative feeling happens that I don't want to deal with, my disease is working on me trying to get me loaded. Whenever I don't want to go to a meeting, that's not that I don't really want to go to a meeting. It's that my disease is working on me and it doesn't want me to go to a meeting. And like I said, I don't know if that's a scientific approach or not, but I use it to help me stay in meetings. I use it to help me stay uh, balanced in recovery and, and steeped and, and built my foundation in recovery. I've got to keep this thing, this four point plan active in my life all the time on a daily basis, because if I don't, the consequences will be horrendous. I think that I feel bad now, you know, over something stupid. And, uh, you know, I get an argument with my girlfriend. I think I feel or with my wife now. I get an <laughs> argument with my wife and uh, I think, oh, these feelings are too bad. I get loaded. I can guarantee you that I'm going to feel a hell of a lot worse once I'm jamming a fucking needle in my arm and fucking going to jail or fucking uh, digging around on the carpet looking for a crack rock. I guarantee that shit feels a hell of a lot worse than fighting with your wife, man. Seriously. <clears throat> Using will always take you back to an uglier, more painful place. And you might think, oh, there's going to be a temporary reprieve that's going to... Uh, make me feel not feel the pain for a minute like i got a toothache oh i have two choices i could do heroin and then for like an hour or two the tooth won't hurt or i could go to the fucking dentist and i can get the tooth taken out and it won't ever hurt again right so if i'm going through emotional pain i could go and get loaded and maybe not feel that emotional pain for a minute but it's still going to be there it's still going to be horrible and it's still going to come back but I can go to the program, man, and I could do a four-point plan. I could connect to people. And, yeah, pain will still come and go, but I will always have the people in the program to love me and to try to help me through the pain because I never have to do it alone, man. I never have to be alone again. I got Guy here. I got Sean. I got my sponsor, Bob. I got people out there that love me, man, and no matter how bad I feel or how bad I think that my feelings are hurt, man, I'm going to be okay. And the reason that is, and Guy pointed it out, man, the reason I'm going to be okay is because I connected to people using the four-point plan. The four-point plan changed my life. It saved my life. It gave me a life worth living. It gave me a life beyond my wildest dreams, man. So, Sean, what are you going to do, man, the next time you get some hurt feelings, man? How are you going to get through it without getting loaded? Uh, I call my sponsor. I mean, that's, that's never really been the case for me. Like before, before I got sober, I would, I would just suppress them and I would, I would stay reserved and I would just have this conflict in my own head of battling these feelings and not really knowing what to do. Now I would get loaded. So, you know, doing the four point plan, especially a sponsor, you know, when it comes to feelings, I think that connection is key for obviously you're, just, you're not going to talk about your feelings with just anybody in the program. So a close friend, you know, I can talk to JR or guy anytime about anything but my sponsor would come first. I always call him. He's emotionally invested in my life. He wants the best for me. And as of right now, he probably knows the, the best outcome for it. You know, I'm dealing with some feeling stuff right now. And uh, he's helping me, you know, like I, I was thinking the way how I, how I would deal with it. And then I call him and ask him. It's like the exact opposite of what I thought that I would deal with it. You know, so I take his suggestions and I and I, I handle it that way. And you know, 10, 
as right now, 10 out of 10 times, it, it works out better than if I would have done it on my own. So you have to talk about your feelings, even though it's hard sometimes, especially for men, maybe. maybe me, not as much as JR, because JR is more humble than me. But <laughs> you, you have to, if you don't address them, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't know how to handle them, just, just run it by somebody and just ask somebody for advice. Somebody who's close to you, maybe not a family member, eh, maybe, but depends on your family. But for me, I just call my sponsor to keep me sober. Guy, what are you going to do, man, when your feelings come after you? I've, I've seen Guy go through the feelings, too. And you know what? I'm the worst person to talk to. I, I tell Guy, what? Oh, you got your heart broke? Oh, you know what, man? It's probably going to go date all your friends now, too. <laughs> That's true. But, um, you know, I love that you, that you guys can do that for me. Sometimes, that, sometimes we need to hear that about put put my feelings in check at least see them from at least let somebody know about them for one and they can usually see it in us we build that connection with people in this program whether it's these guys here with me right now or other people that are in the meetings i guess i wear my emotions my feelings on my sleeve or something because they everybody knows when something's going on with guy so i'm usually trying to i try to be happy joyous and free you know and i i like being happy joyous and free but Sometimes I'm not, and everybody notices. And and then today I can like let somebody know. I don't. I don't just say, "Oh no, yeah, I'm going through the. I'm fine no, And then run to the run to the pipe or the or the bottle. You know, I don't have to do that. I can actually let them know and listen at least enough to some of the things they want to tell me about my feelings, and let me talk about my feelings. And enough to where I'm not going to pick up and get loaded. It's pretty simple. And I think I think uh, getting that connection, like we were talking about, is, is huge to dealing with all these feelings inside of me today. Well, I think it's clear that the way to deal with these feelings, the best way that we can offer you to deal with your feelings is to get into the four-point plan, baby. I think maybe you need to go to a meeting. You having some feelings? Why don't you go to a meeting? Why don't you go to 90 meetings in 90 days? Like Sean said, man, why don't you call your sponsor, man? You having some feelings? Call your sponsor. Your sponsor ain't available. God, if only there were other people that loved you. What about all those people in your home group? Those people love you. Why don't you call some people in your home group? And if you're really, really deep in your feelings, man, and it's painful, one way to fucking help that and get out of that, man, is go help somebody, man. Go get a service commitment and be of service to people. 90 and 90, sponsor, home group, commitment. Do the four-point plan, man. It will save your life. It will change your life. Keep visiting us on the fourpointplan.com. Spell it out, four-point plan. Don't write the number four. You want to spell it out. Four-point plan. You can check it out on my YouTube page, JR Roberts. You can check us out on Facebook. We got a four-point plan page over there. And you can email us. Put the number four-point plan at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We are going to keep doing the four-point plan podcast every week. We love you guys. We care about your family. F-O-U-R. Some people might not know how to spell four. Talking about feelings. Spell it out, baby. Woo! Talking about feelings. <laughs> no.